I find it devilishly coincidental that we do a show where we're talking about the last food that one would ingest before dying, and then a mere, you know, oh, a week later, I have a meal that tried to kill me. <laughs> I, I think True. there's there's something that is just strangely coincidental there. I won't say ironic, lest those folks that snipe uh, Alanis Morissette come after me. <laughs> and Doc knows what'll happen to a good Canadian with intentions that are completely decent, but says something that's taken completely out of context and twisted. Oh, yes. Well, right, right now I can't even think of anybody from Canada but Mr. Gordon Lightfoot, R.I.P. <laughs> All right. He's a lot lighter now than he was, I will say that. But uh, oh, It's like you could read my mind, love. I, well, I spent some time in a bottle, but, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. So, uh, yeah, I, I, here's to food poisoning uh, and uh, migraines delaying our glorious recordings. That was uh, just a, an absolute blast. So if I start to sound like Wolfman Jack over the course of this, it's because I just completely eviscerated the inside of my throat. And... Uh, so I'm I'm lucky that I'm speaking at the moment. That was very violent. You feeling much better now, though? Uh, yes, yes. I'm actually hydrated or semi-hydrated. Uh, so it, here's to small favors, as it were. So you've only had like three gallons of water today, as opposed to your typical six or seven. Uh, well, here's an endorsement for Liquid IV. It is exceedingly helpful to get a little electrolyte boost and help Ooh. to replenish a little faster. Uh, Melissa uses it all the time, uh, and I am now a vocal proponent. So, it's, uh, it's fun. My heart went out to you, though. I've only had food poisoning once in my life, and it was, oh, about 14, 15 years ago. And it was the worst pain I'd ever... I had these cramps mm -hmm. that just had me doubled over at like 3 o'clock in the morning where I literally felt like I was going to die. I was like, this is not getting better. This is the end. I'm 24-year-old Mike or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, and uh, I remember calling my boss because I was a kitchen manager at the time. And I remember calling her at like 4.30 in the morning because I was supposed to be there for 6. And just like crying on the phone and be like, I can't come in. I'm in so much pain. I literally think I'm dying. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll spare you the blow by blow, but just to paint a a bit of a picture for circumstances, um, I was out and about. I hadn't eaten anything, and it was three in the afternoon, so I was like, "I'll grab something quick, and we're probably gonna have dinner in a reasonable uh, hour here." So maybe two, three hours later. So I just I swing through Jack in the Box, and I'm like, "I'll get a couple tacos." It costs almost nothing, and, you know, eh, it's a fairly safe bet. Jack in the Box usually is, like, just total acid wash anyway for me. But I'm like, eh, a couple tacos, that's not going to be too terrible. Famous last words. <laughs> so the indication should have been that things were going awry when, like, the guy just opens the window. He's like, hey. Hi, good sir. <laughs> uh, would you care to tell me what the total is for the food? Like, and he just mutely takes my card, closes the window, and I don't see him for five minutes. Now, again, this is three in the afternoon, so it's not like they're brimming with activity. I'm the only person sitting at this store. So apparently they didn't even, you know, dethaw these things. They just threw them frozen into the fryer, kicked them out to me. I go eat. 
unfortunately, then what gets tacked onto this later on in the evening is Melissa has been craving Chinese. So she's like, I'll pick up Panda on the way home. So then I stack Panda Express on top of Jack in the Box. And if you're going to have food poisoning, that is not a combination of foods that you want to experience multiple times. Oh, no. Wasn't so, any better coming out than it was going in, eh? It was not uh, on in any aspect ratio. <laughs> and so uh, pray for me, friends. Yeah, it's funny that uh, when you said you had food poisoning, I was going to joke about it being bad tacos from mm-hmm. Taco Bell. I didn't even nope. think about Jack in a Box. Missed the mark. Yes, yes. And uh, before I get too far afield, speaking of things you can't stomach, Heil all of you out there and by the eternal behold, behold. it is the disinformed <laughs> podcast i'm shane and, and I'm, I'm michael, michael. all right then uh but yeah yeah it was uh some of the nastiest uh throat activity like i Man, it's just a colossal. I'm not going to get us triggered here for, for having any further discourse on that. But yeah, things started going out of my nose when, like I had been dry heaving oh. for a long time, thinking that there was absolutely nothing in the whale. And then all of a sudden, just a gusher straight out of the nose. It did nothing came out of my mouth. I was like, how is oh. this even possible? How is oh. that conceivable? <laughs> it was just like a bad eighties prank that happened. It was Porky's eight and it was just, you know, <laughs> tubby takes a, a bathroom trek. So, uh, not a grand time, but, Oof. uh, vacillating wildly from that on top of this, uh, and s- as a creative segue into what Michael and I were talking about pre-roll, I have been trying to change deodorants, uh, you know, to avoid the aluminums and all of these other things. So in the midst of feeling completely dead dog sick in a day that was reasonably warm for Oregon, I started using a, a new scent of native deodorant. Now, when I looked at the package, this is a proof positive that I am an individual who does not drink. So the fragrances involved in this are bourbon, which I'm like, okay, reasonable. And I, I enjoyed, you know, the assorted bourbon scents for yeah, beards and things. So I was like, and, you know, yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then it was orange bitters. Okay. Now, I have never experienced this, obviously, in a bouquet, generally, and I've never ingested so when I tell you this, I, I don't want to, you know, paint a picture that's incorrect, but this deodorant smells like your the inside of your belly button after you have walked through the Sahara Desert for a month and a half. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it is this putrid, absolutely ghastly, like rank sweat in a whorehouse where a clown has been for at least an hour and a half. Just <laughs> not a pleasant scent. And this is a deodorant. So I was like, I kept smelling this and I was going like, it's one of those where you've just had the worst night of your life and you've probably, yeah, you know, all these things. So there's just fragrances everywhere. And then I keep smelling this. I'm like, what the hell is that smell? <laughs> like I took a shower. I'm trying to deal with this and I smell, it's the deodorant. Deodorant is the ghastly thing. So I was like, well, thank you. I now managed to smell worse than the BO that I was attempting to battle with this. And so uh, I can say, as as other folks are presently battling sweat, uh, be careful the weaponry you choose to protect yourself from your odoriferous emanations. Yeah, no thanks. I I, I have to take the heavy-duty stuff. I don't have the luxury of cutting out these, these fanciful things like aluminum. 
or else yeah. I will be just glistening. Uh, I'm returning to the fold. Uh, I, I have officially, I was like, I told Liz, I was like, Old Spice is getting my business back. Uh, I'm yeah, fine so I with the say. cancer as long as I don't just reek for the rest of my life. I will, I will be a pretty smelling corpse. That's, that's all I'm angling for. Yeah, I'm an Old Spice man myself. I Same. dated, I dated a woman back in Austin, like ages back, uh, who would rub a rock. She had this like crystal. And that's what she would use. She would just rub the, this crystal under her arm. And she swore that it had like natural, like deodorizing effects. But it was just a rock. <laughs> well, if Dan Aykroyd is to be believed, they do have semi precious stones that they filter their vodka over. And, you know, there's known. no scientific principle, according to him, that would say that it's actually leaching anything out of the liquids. And yet, People prefer the profile once it's poured over those Herkimer semi-precious stones than they do when it's just, you know, treated normally. So some, there's something to be said for things floating around in the earth. Yeah, it must work better for women than it does for men because I spent the night at her house one night and I had forgotten my deodorant. And so she was like, well, just use my crystal. And so I did. Ooh. And then I went to work and... uh by lunchtime, I was like, yeah, I need to go to the store and get actual deodorant because I'm a little ripe. <laughs> uh, you know, usually saying, you know, just use my crystal from a, a woman that you're spending some time with. <laughs> that story ends in a dramatically different fashion. <laughs> Dang, but I mean, it must have been serious. Like some people share toothbrushes. She shared her crystal with you. This share my true. rock. That's yeah. right. <laughs> was it Whitney Houston by chance? <laughs> yes yes it was whitney houston to tsunami <laughs> terrible bad shame <sighs> rip but you could always give that a shot if you find that you don't want to go to the aluminum route just uh you know go Rub get yourself a night yeah <laughs> man i'm i'm easy enough to chafe my poor irish skin does not uh you know deal with any that's the reason i had to start using the old spice in the first place is that I'm allergic to almost everything else. And even the mm. native has been giving me the, you know, the chafe on top of not spelling great. So <laughs> yeah, generally I'm just in a, a full riot right now. I just, yeah, I'm going to stick with what works. I understand why men, as you sort of gradually slide into middle age and, uh, you know, the egress out of life, you just stick with what works like, nah, I'm not changing anything. I'm fine. Yeah, and it's funny how, like, as you slide into middle age, certain joke gifts can become actual gifts. Like, I got a, a nose hair and ear hair trimmer as a gag gift a couple years ago. And, and at the time, I was just like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, I'm getting old, very funny. And now I'm like, hey, this thing actually comes in handy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's lifesaver, man. Uh, I legit have to take care of the ear hair probably, you know, twice a week. It's Jeez. devastatingly terrifying. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's true. I'm I'm about a once a week fellow, but uh, I get that, and then I get like this one random long nose hair that, even though I pluck it out by the root, it still comes back. I have to say though, it beats there. There's a gentleman that uh, when I first moved to Lake Havasu City, we were going into the movie theater, and he had to have at least two inch long shoulder hair. It actually was coming up over his tank top. So it, oh it looks God. like, you know, <laughs> Chewbacca's bandolier, just, you know, completely covered in this thatch of uh, disgusting fur on this poor fellow. Oh. And I was like, man, I, I at least I'm not that bad. And I got to yeah. tell you, as of like a week ago, before I shaved, I was like, I'm getting close. 
I might be able to catch up. So oh, if no. I have, I, it's a good thing I'm married because otherwise I would be repelling 80 to 90% of the populace just on principle alone. I'm smelly. Can't control most of my bodily fluids or functions. And uh, I just got hair just plunging out of me everywhere that doesn't matter. Well, at least you can actually grow a beard and you too, Michael. When, when these damn nose hairs and ear hairs, when they pop up, I'm like, so you can come out the damn ear now. But I still can't grow a mustache for the life of me. Just turn see, it into a chin strap and turn the nose hair right? into a stash. See, I, you know, the comb over works for, you know, other hair as well. So just mm-hmm. manipulate. You'll look like you have a, a nice little twirled <laughs> mustache. You'll never be able to breathe out of your nostrils again. But hey, fashion. It, you got to suffer for fashion. It's like beauty is pain. Pain exactly. is beauty. Exactly. Otherwise, you're left with pit stains. And who wants that? Mm hmm. Michael, apparently. I, I don't. I, I would absolutely <laughs> love if I didn't. But that's just a way of life. Just like your ears and nose hairs. It's I'm always moist. Well, and not you know, in a good way. Yeah, Michael and I are both free perspirers, which is almost a natural state in Arizona to begin with. And when you add onto the you know, your natural inclination to just bleed out of every pore. Sorry, it's Sunday, the divinity question in there, but uh, yeah, it's it's not a good combination. I don't sweat that much during the day, but I get really bad like night sweats where like I'll wake up and the bed is drenched. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, sleep warm as well. I Yeah, I don't sleep with blankets. I have the fan going. I, I can't, I, I most of the time just sleep in my underwear, just making sure I can perspire as best as I can. Still wake up some nights. Like I just jumped into the shower. Yeah. I got, I have a fan for, well, the two on the call. I have a fan sitting right behind me that is literally directed at my armpits Mm. when I'm sitting (laughs) at my desk in a room with AC on. I still need it just to make sure I will get out of the shower. I have to take my shower super early in the morning because if I, even after nine or 9 a.m., if I get out of the shower, I will immediately start sweating. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is mm-hmm. the point of a shower if I immediately start sweating? Well, that's a clean sweat, though. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's true. It's it's the part two of the shower. And then I go back in to rinse all the stuff that oozed out of my pores. Mm-hmm. You know, pre-wash, post-wash, that sort of thing. It's oh, it's an active regimen. sauna. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel really bad for Elda because the night sweats that I'll get too, it has like a, like an acidic scent. So like the sheets end up like smelling like vinegary. It's after a couple, like a couple, you know, a week or two. Uh, so we have to like be on top of like regularly changing the sheets just cause it, and it's been like that for a long time. I thought it, it's not something that's happened as I got older. It's like as a teenager, same deal. I don't know what the deal is. I don't. And when I do like, if I go and I do backyard work or any of that stuff and I get sweaty, doesn't have that like, acidic scent to it but the nighttime when i'm fast asleep pff, i don't know something's wrong <laughs> so based on our, our prior discussion so we did cover you know fecal explosions last week uh and now we're moving into a lot of the other putrescence that we haven't touched so i mean we've basically moved from the disinformed podcast to the dead and disgusting podcast <laughs> Just trying to be the most repellent human beings that we can be. So I suppose I'll I'll pivot out of this being just tr- truly down in the dumps. And on the subject of Dan Aykroyd, oh. since we you know it had alluded to earlier, I had threatened in our prior discussion since we we touched on religion, I was going to dip our toe into another controversial subject, which is that of 
uh, extraterrestrial or extra dimensional beings oh, no. and, and what the thoughts are of the individuals <laughs> on the call. Uh, because I know the scientist here is, is going to want to have that argument with me once more as the, uh, you know, the token non-believer. So g- give it to me, Michael. What do you think? Is there other life out there? Probably. I mean, we have a giant universe, the chance of something occurring out there. Non-zero, sure. Have they visited us? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't even believe I, the videos? No. I, 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 I'm able to Photoshop things super easily, and I have no skill whatsoever. I, I mean, tricks of light, weather balloons, what have you. There's always... I, I'm not going to be the person that will be like, um, actually, that's just a uh, swamp gas or something like that. But I'm like, unless it's something that I can reproduce with, no, that I can reproduce and like test the first of an alien species and fuck it. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I'm Kirk. Well, um, what if they what if they've visited in the past, but just don't anymore? Like, what about the pyramids? Perhaps they had something to oh, do with that. Pff, yeah, because they. So, so ancient civilizations were like, let's, 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 yeah, I I got my hands up already in the aliens gesture. And the hair. Yeah. When you have your, when you're storing stuff, what is the, like, just building anything, like throwing a pile of dirt, basic, most basic thing, pile of dirt. Mm -hmm. It usually forms like a kind of a cone, right? Because it's, you know, everything slides off. If it, if the slope's too high, it'll slide. If the slope's not, if it's shallow, it won't. It'll eventually make like a pile, like a cone. So when people are thinking, hey, let's build something that's really big, what's the easiest structure that they can come up with that won't fall apart? A fucking cone or a pyramid. Well, how or, would you get those big I was like, yeah, bricks that's, way up there, though? But also, that's not entirely a conical shape. I mean, it's it. There's the similar, <laughs> but not entirely. It's a rectangular uh, pyramid as opposed to a circular pyramid. It's whatever. Close like igloo uh, pyramid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hand wavy. It's all semantics. All semantics. No, uh, the the whole like oh, aliens taught people how to build the pyramids. No. They're smart. They just didn't understand basic things like germ theory because they, someone hadn't invented the microscope. It's not like everyone was just sitting there picking their noses and eating the boogers all day. Like there were smart people. They just didn't have the foundational foundation of knowledge to build upon. Like it's not like we just suddenly evolved. Yeah, no. (laughs) They were back to booger picking. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm I'm sure that there's a good explanation for it. But whenever I do think about like just the 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 sheer like massive force that must have been to be able to get those bricks towards the top, I, you know, I, I can't help but think like maybe Slingshot. there was something to it. There, maybe, maybe there Slingshot. is something. To, I like yeah. that a trebuchet, if you will. Ooh. Throw, throw it onto a trampoline and let it bounce up onto the top. I mean, wheels. They 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 invented the wheel. They could use wheels. You just got to get a couple of good axles on it. Now, see, put them on the bottom. If you were pushing for the conical shapes again, now the wheel justification you would have had a better chance with. But uh, <laughs> square wheels, circular <laughs> wheels, 
Uh, <laughs> trapezoidal wheels, yes. It, yes. Ooh, ooh, Oct- ooh, okay. Ooh, octagonal wheels. Ooh, okay, all right. Like uh, a tank. Dodecahedral? Ooh, big I can word. appreciate big that. Big word today. Mm. Indeed. Ooh, big words. So, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Doc, uh, as the resident Trekkie here, I would hope, you know, you're you're going to offer your belief in the undiscovered country. Oh, just infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Idic. Uh, the classic Vulcan principle. Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. say that there I would say that it would be extremely arrogant of us to say that we are the only ones. Yeah. Um, I would also say that uh I would imagine at some point we might have been visited I don't think we're a regular pit stop. I think that's also extremely arrogant to think that, like, you know, True. Earth Earth is just this great spot that people just keep swinging by to check out. Um, <laughs> but I would say that probably at some point somebody's swung by and uh, probably along the lines or possibly along the lines of Star Trek as well, where, you know, the prime directive, right? If they aren't a warp capable species, you don't interfere in their development. Mm-hmm. Well, that could very well be the same thing here, right? We could have been visited. They could have checked us out and been like, eh, they're not ready. And moseyed on. Um, so that's probably the case. A day the earth stood still kind of moment. Not ready for this. <laughs> Y'all gonna nuke each other. Stop it. I was like, this is dramatically different sentiment there. But uh, yeah, drop that gun or I'll shoot you. Uh, <laughs> As opposed to, no, they just haven't, you know, cultivated themselves enough yet. But uh, it's it's funny. The more I think about it, like, I, the thing that always boggled my mind is more of, like, statistical principles, right? So it's I, – I can't rule the possibility out, which it falls in line with, again – concepts of ghosts or spirituality or a god principle or any of these other things is like i would rather walk into a situation being open-minded and consider that okay there's a possibility that this could happen to me or i might experience this but like the idea that in the vast and infinite universe that we have just even within our observable range now granted you can't see onto planet surfaces with a telescope certainly not sophisticated enough to go like oh there's some protozoan life that's developing down there because there's an atmosphere similar to our own but just the sheer statistical anomaly that we are the one planet in just even our own solar system is shocking in and of itself but then start expanding into the grander galaxy of like yeah no there's some form of consciousness that sprung to life here just completely out of the the random mist and to expect that that has never been replicated anywhere else or is something that is just purely our own it that is something that adds to that despondency that you feel when people talk about like oh if there's no god there's no point it's also like yeah if we're the only time that this has happened like what are we doing (laughs) we gotta figure something else out because yeah i mean let's let's go be a little more satanic about this and a, a little less conservative is uh, what the hell's the point? <laughs> Otherwise, if I'm if I'm literally turning into worm food, and that was the only shot, and once we have exhausted this planet's resource, we're just gonna burn out, and this will never happen again. Man, we fucked this experiment up. Yeah. <laughs> or even if we don't exhaust the resources, eventually our sun's gonna kick the bucket. So mm-hmm. either way, we've got a ticking time bomb on us, even if it is billions of years away. <sighs> uh, it could take that long. <laughs> 
oh, still okay. are trying so to argue if vaccines are real or something uh-huh. like that. So, so we're not going to move on to climate change then? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just hit oh, every well, hot yeah. button topic in the course mm. of sweeping through the past couple of weeks. So I want to make sure we go we out are... on a brown note before we head to the door. I think we are all qualified to talk about the uh, topic of abortion right now. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Gloves off, gentlemen. There is a doctor in the house, so I suppose we can start there. Oh, um, well, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't want to talk. <laughs> oh, well. I was like, yeah, I was, I was, like, I was uh, totally okay uh, with continuing the conversation about life. You didn't uh, want to break into a, you know, a random <laughs> version of uh, Prom Night Dumpster Baby. Oh. Well, I think if we think of the movie Aliens and just these little creatures exploding out your belly. Uh... Okay, now there's an interesting question for the, the Cine East in the room with me and the one who has not watched any films in general. I have seen, I can recall a good chunk of Alien. I don't remember if I saw it all the way through. And I don't remember where I saw it, but I did see at least a good chunk of the beginning and then the chest burster scene. So. As if to illustrate my point. Um, <laughs> I, I saw I, a part of that, the one <laughs> movie that's the progenitor of a franchise that's now rolling nine deep. Um, I did see Prometheus, though. Which, okay. Yeah. Um well, and see, on the topic of ancient aliens and, uh, you know, seeding civilizations, there's an interesting interpretation of it. But uh, what is your favorite of the alien franchise, Doc? Oh, I'd say aliens. Really? Okay. So you go with uh, less chat, more splat. Yeah. I okay. think so. I mean, in this particular franchise, yeah. Uh, Cameron, I mean, it's it's there's a lot of charm in that movie. I think you invest in the uh character relationships there. The Marines are very vibrant. So you do and uh, obviously the action-oriented watcher is going to be a little more engaged in that if you're a little more bloodthirsty. Uh I'm like the alien. I love the Hitchcock principle of like not seeing the creature. And so all of that accumulated sort of stress and anxiety through the course of that film. And it's so claustrophobic on top of it. So it has that nice, like, ghost ship in space thing, which Event Horizon capitalized on uh, very well uh, later on. But yeah, Alien is still in my top five. But I like all of the films. I'm not slagging any of them. Even Resurrection, which has a an infinite amount of flaws to that. Even though, and we can add into you know since everyone dogpiles on, or like everyone's dogpiling on Joss Whedon these days, since he is responsible party for Alien Resurrection, we can all point our fingers Mm. at him. Say like amongst the atrocities, you also helped to further diminish an already dying franchise. But (laughs) stop, uh, stop! They're already dead. I do agree with you. I, I love Alien for the the ghost ship and like the the psychology behind it. I do mm-hmm. love that. But I just found Aliens to just be like a, kind of a more fun ride. Like where absolutely. Was, and there's um especially like you know for the time like there's so many other things that have that you know kind of ghost ship aspect to it, right? Where you mm-hmm. do get that, that psychological horror behind the unseen. Um, Outside of just Alien, whereas mm-hmm. like Aliens itself, it was kind of a little bit more unique at the time just for its like, I don't know, just carnage. <laughs> I think both of them are definitely like a, a boot through the door for either of the genres that they sort of take up arms for. The thing that I love about Alien in particular 
but both of these are strengths for each of those movies is the casting is brilliant on both yes. parts, but they're for diametrically opposed storytelling. So you have your theater actors, because I mean, look at the, the general cast there between Ian Holm and John Hurt alone. It's like, okay, that's a significant pedigree for theatrical acting that Sigourney mm -hmm. Weaver started working in theater. So when you start throwing every, and plus like Yafit Koto's delightful in that run, like a lot of very strong performers that are going to give you that sort of like terror and the catharsis that you need. And so on the flip side of that, you have a lot of very effervescent, bubbly personalities that get thrown into that hodgepodge that is the colonial marine uh, cadre for aliens. And it serves each purpose because you're invested enough that when they start dying, you're wounded mm -hmm. with them because you don't like losing those characters, particularly everybody, you know, laments Bill Paxton going uh, both, you know, literally and on screen. Aww. So, yeah, it's uh, those are brilliantly done on both parts. And I think I credit to Cameron for taking it and just being a hard right with the franchise as well and doing something that was just completely out of the the other directive like okay well we saw one and that was terrifying enough what happens when you see 80 of them mm -hmm. what did you think of uh, AVP I liked AVP but again Same. like I I'm one of those like it, where we talked about even with comic books like if I enjoy something I will take a stomach full of it before I get sick of it it's the same as like the sugar principle uh, I'll eat until I'm sick like Louis CK so the just the concept of seeing those two you know mythic figures in sci-fi battling one another and then to think that there's a grander history behind it and the comics were always fun to begin with so i was kind of like ripe for the picking when that came out and plus uh hearkening back to event horizon that was also a paul ws anderson film was avp so it's mm -hmm. you know same director he wrote the screenplay for each so it's kind of you know they're kissing cousins at least to a certain extent yeah i love uh I love when the big franchises square off against each other, you know, mm. Freddy versus Jason, Alien versus Predator. That for a little while that was getting really popular and Yeah. I was there for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Michael, you're up. Since um, you've seen Alien a little bit I, and you saw Prometheus. I definitely well, I I had issues with the uh, the ending of Prometheus because like I, uh, yeah, uh, I don't want to get too much into there because I saw it when it was in theaters mm -hmm. and I think my first immediate reaction to it uh, was towards the very end. And I was like, oh, this is an Aliens prequel. And I said that out loud because it didn't occur to me until like right at the very end when I think they, they showed the actual alien. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, and so I got a couple of people around me to laugh. But um <laughs> the only the only reason why I wasn't a big fan was the I'm it's a it's a. A coin term now in uh, audio or uh, in movie critiques, mm -hmm. the uh, Prometheus school of running away from things. Uh, the whole scene where she's running away from the very, very flat ship that is a wheel mm -hmm. and not walking to either side. Yeah. And it's supposed to be very, you know, intense and, and pulse pounding when she could have just jumped to either side and would have been okay. Um, I think that's probably the most that I'll go about. It um and then a lot of the, I feel like it was a little bit more schlocky in that like oh this is a whole room full of eggs 
let's go in and see what's going on. Like, oh, let's do the like. It almost felt like a slash uh, slasher film. Mm. Like, oh, let's. There's no one in this car. There's no one around for miles. Let's start making out. Nothing bad will happen. Like, that's the kind of vibe that I got from that movie. Now, what I do remember of Alien was I do love the slow burn. I do love the the Hitchcockian principle. Like, don't blow the load in five minutes. Like, <laughs> build. Just really, like, keep me on the edge. Edge me hard. Um, and I feel like what I do remember of the movie was like that. Um, have either of you played Alien Isolation? Yes. Ah, I adore is that, it. Is that a more recent game, or is that the one from, like, it's, the mid-90s? Oh, no, uh, no, no, it's, it's a later. It's, okay. I think it was like 2013, 14, something like that. Yeah, it, it's right around that time. Yeah. The it's, only you're, aliens, you're playing. Yeah, the I'm only sorry. Aliens game I played is was on the original PlayStation. Okay. Circa like 96, 97. That game was fantastic. Yeah. And this is um you are playing the game as Ripley's daughter, who is uh, essentially taking up a career in space exploration to try to figure out what happened to the Nostromo. And shenanigans ensue. And, of course, yes. shenanigans, yes. And, yeah, and yeah. you get to deal with all the same problems that you do throughout the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you ever seen a species movie, Michael? Is that the one with the, the lady that was trying to get, like... Natasha Henstrich? Yeah, that mm-hmm. was trying to get, like... Impregnated. Impregnate everyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. I did see that. I don't remember I'm a lot shocked. of it. But <laughs> you do, I, I like, mean, I watched it for the films. articles. Yeah, yeah, that too. A, yeah, it's a it's a cheesy alien spin kind of. I like it. It's a long running series too. That can't. I don't know how many films there's in that, but there's more than I thought because they were still coming out with them even in like 2016 or something like that. I think was the last one. If we've learned nothing from American cinema is that they will take any excuse they can to get people to take their clothes off. Hmm. Very true. Having just completed the first season, uh, and well technically a portion of the second as well of game of thrones again uh <laughs> as i was starting up melissa's like there's a lot of sex in that season and i went it's not really that much is it and then i the second i start back i was like oh yeah no there was a lot of sex in this first it's, season yeah yeah it's hbo and it's also george, george R. Martin. martin so yeah. it's it's literally the sex every other scene how's um, off to you going back to rewatching it i I don't think I can anymore. I was so excited about it originally, but just knowing how it ends, I kind of see that's uh, again, another one of those, like I will express the unpopular opinion and this, you know, it's not hipster of me so much as I think just to other folks is like, I, I really treat most cinematic or literary experiences. And this falls back into all quiet on the Western front again as well. I'm, I'm just on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I don't want to anticipate where the twists and turns are taking me. Like, it, yes, you can get cerebral about it and start trying to, like, my mother is one of those who loves to try to rewrite the script as they're watching the film. So she'll start weighing in on that. Oh, they should have done this. Or, oh, I bet this guy's the killer. And I just want to shut up and, you know, lock my hands around the, the bars and scream as I, I write. Cause that's, it's, you know, intended to be a distraction from reality where my brain already is automatically overactive to begin with. So I, I typically tend to just shut down and see where the ride takes me. I don't always wind up in a place that I enjoy, but as I was running through the end of uh, the televised version of Game of Thrones, I was like, it wasn't to me so far afield from the character developments in every aspect where I was just, yeah, I found it a complete affront like so many others did. 
I think it, in certain respects, to my interpretation, and I have no intention of offending anybody by saying this, but I think a lot of people were invested in the Danny storyline specifically because you're seeing a very strong female character who has braved so many hurdles and pitfalls and was not just another pretty thing to be on somebody's arm. She actually was able to, you know, gain and maintain power and dealt with things fairly deftly. So when you drive that very lovely ship into the iceberg, it's going to get some feathers ruffled, but, when the entire like discussion of the show is that the Targaryens are a little bent and they don't tend to respond well to criticism, she handles a lot of situations throughout the course of the storytelling, both in the, the books and in the show, not with the greatest aplomb. She tends to respond very just even like I'm I'm there at the gates of Karth presently and as they're prepping to, you know, walk back in, she's threatening them with absolutely nothing. She's got a legion of starving people with her. She has absolutely nothing to make good on the threat and still, you know, attempts to threaten them into cajoling them into doing what she wants to get them to capitulate. And I was like, that's kind of evidence of like practice that kind of gets executed through the whole series. So when she went off the rails, I was like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think possibly some of the backlash isn't maybe so much related to the character development mm-hmm. uh, so much as the maybe the dialogue and the writing of the show because yeah. it had been done so exceptionally well for like the first bunch of seasons that it was just like like no critiques right it was just perfection mm-hmm. and then there was a very noticeable drop in quality when they kind of had to go off script like we don't have the books to follow anymore so now we're it's, kind of freewheeling yeah. and, we don't, and we don't have those references and dialogue that we can pull straight from the books and stuff. And so I think, I, like I said, I, I, I can kind of feel like what you're saying there. Like I agree, like where the characters ended maybe isn't mm-hmm. so bad. Uh, and I could kind of agree with that, but the way we like navigated them there wasn't handled as, um, definitely as like previously had been done. And maybe that's where it is. It's like it went from an exceptionally good to mediocre in terms uh-huh. of writing. Okay. Like it was, it wasn't bad. It just, but when there's such a noticeable drop when you're going from like A plus to now we're a B show. Yep. And see, I, I, oh, go ahead, Michael. Uh, I, I was going to say, I, I, what I'll say about the show writers is that they are great at adapting someone else's work. Um, but when they had just notes and bits and pieces, um, they that's what they had to work on they could take someone else's vision and and masterfully masterfully produce it um but when it came time to well now they're out of material then they had to they real they had an end goal and they wrote to fill the end goal mm-hmm. and that and they like revealed as much in um uh what was it in interviews and stuff like that that they were trying to get to the end yeah um and i think that's i don't know why a lot of people were upset i I admit I was confused, but also because I had only watched the first two seasons and I and I watched the seventh with a bunch of other people that had. God. I had read the books, so I at least had some context. I was like, all right. Okay. Is this person dead? Okay, so that's a little different. All right, cool. It, like, it wasn't like I was going in there saying like, well, th- it should have ended this way. I was right. like, what changed so that I have the context to understand what's going on? Um, because I, they're two separate things. We've talked right. about that. Absolutely. Like, and, and I, I was trying to be social in this regard because mm-hmm. I was invited to, you know, watch it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I don't have a lot of the context. Like, where is this character? Oh, they died. Okay, cool. Like, but 
I was confused by some things, but I feel like that just might be me not understanding a lot of the things. And it didn't help that the people I was sitting with were very upset by how things were turning out because they weren't getting the payoff that they felt should have happened. And it could have been from they didn't understand the character motivations. The character motivations weren't explained fully. Mm. They were going from like, well, here's this like 10, uh, this 10 hour journey, like from across like the whole continent to like oh well they got there in five minutes you know because that was one thing i remember hearing a lot about was that like people were zooping zipping zipping zooping they were zipping all over the place like where they would be in uh king's landing like one scene and then the next thing that they were at the wall or something like that and so i knew there was a lot of complaints there and that could just be like they also didn't have they didn't want to make more seasons. I was like, at, at the same point, it's like, yeah, it's the Tolkien principle of like, I don't want to watch people walk for five hours. I give me something else. The funny, it's funny though that we talk about that because yes, it is much easier to refine already established materials than it mm-hmm. is to spin something out of whole cloth. And if you need something that is a, a greater example than the Lord of the Rings trilogy versus the Hobbit trilogy. Yes. As the same principle of like they had a wealth of material to pull from from the Lord of the Rings and, you know, with Cimmerillion and all the other materials as well to a dearth of material with the Hobbit where they just had to just, you know, let's materialize things because we can't just do, a, you know, maybe that's a movie. Maybe a movie and a half if you really want to get into it. So to make three, they really had to just whip stuff out. And yeah. the quality was dramatically different. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you you lose something when you don't have that source material to draw from, definitely. Yeah. When, when, you're, t- when you're going from just adaptation to fan fiction writing, I feel like that's where it starts getting, like, because th- those are two totally different skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, for but, sure. You know, the yeah. thing that, like, I... I the candy that gets me through is the spoonful of sugar with the medicine was mm. seeing, you know, like the, the battle of the bastards and seeing dragons it, it fighting was, against white walkers yeah. and things. And I'm like the stuff that, that cool. you had all that accumulated sort of momentum to get you to that point that coalesced into those things, I think helped to distract me from a lot of the other things that, yeah, at the end of the day, it's problematic, but, Throwing it into a, a completely different perspective as well. When you're reading the books, there are so many subplots and tangents oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and characters that if they have a bearing on the main thrust of the story, it feels like it's going to be more as like, you know, a, a rocket where we talk about the fuselage sort of uh, detaching and propelling something forward. Well, which sometimes is, you don't revisit that same character for right. ages. Like I would finish a chapter focused on a character and then without like reading the skip, I would just like kind of quickly flip through to see when do I visit this person again? Uh And sometimes it wouldn't be for the rest of the book. And it's like, well, there's still a good chunk of material left. I'm like, God damn. I mean, like I really want to know what happens next. So, uh, I mean, to your point, there's just so many plots, so many things getting juggled that you could literally just leave behind a character for ages and then circle back and be like, Hey, remember that stuff that happened 150 pages ago? Mm -hmm. And when you're adapting it, just leave them out. Like Strong Belwas, my favorite character from the books. Mm. All yeah. he'd do is he would just eat onions, like the <laughs> liver and onions, and he would just tell people to slash his belly, and that was mm. it. He was a perfect character. Sorry, I interrupt you. I just no, wanted to fine. say it's perfect character. Love it. Explain but, my love of Strong Belwas. 
the the laughable thing to me when I was looking back on it is like trying to reconfigure things in an appropriate light, right? And uh, see things on the positive bend. I was like, what I feel like Martin does that this show does so deftly as well is it gives you this varying degree of complexity between the moral compass mm-hmm. of saying like, you think you've seen villainy. And then the just something more insidious happens and something more grandiose in, and violent happens. And like Joffrey was a big bad, you know, and you're sitting there watching like I loathe this character. And then when you're watching it subsequently or you're reading multiple times, it's, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's Joffrey. I, I mean, he's mostly impotent as a character. He does some semi horrific stuff. He takes out one of the, you know, most beloved characters uh, generally. But eh, compared to Ramsey, he's not so much of a, <laughs> a, you know, a such as it were. So it, it's great. It has that walking dead principle where it's like the escalation is so impressive when you start it's like, oh, okay, well, that's what propelled us forward into this next villain. And then to have the moral ambiguity of the people who you saw as just inextricably linked with villainy start to twist and turn around and come the other way with like Jamie Lannister is loathed and then starts to become a character that you start to sympathize with and appreciate. And unfortunately, it's another one of those where it goes under the water at the end of the show. And you're like, no, that was so sad. The redemption arc <laughs> just crushed. But at the same time, you're like, OK, makes sense for the character. He, uh, yeah. of anything, that's the one thing he's not going to be rational about. And yeah. Yeah, OK, I'll just roll with it. But they, uh. they really do that so well between like the hound and they're constantly shifting characters out of whether you're appreciating their cause and in support of it and then you immediately start to flip where you're like wait hold on a second that that's not right then even you know the daenerys Jon snow relationship is really one of those where there's just a weird moral ambivalence depending upon where you're standing like you're both being drawing a hard line for no good reason you could make some subtle you know slight changes and you'd be fine it's like nope irresistible force and the immovable object we're just going to run this thing into the wall and see what happens pun intended Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, in any event, uh, I, I feel like that was a, enough of a meandering goulash, and it, it would have been important for us to clarify that, yes, uh, we, we had, on top of my illness, we had a bunch of other weird circumstantial problems that interceded on behalf of the show this week. So we're recording a little late, which means that also uh, what was intended to be the After Dark for Friday just got released on Sunday. So uh, I hope you're enjoying that uh, for those of you who are, are keeping track of those. But uh, so we're, we're getting on on top of it we're going to be a little more rambly and, and crazy today just so that we can get you some content and we're not just going to leave you all sitting in the dark so uh kudos and thanks to editor michael for uh, completing this as you're listening now because that's uh, it's a lot of effort and small time and it's not like he doesn't have other things on his plate at the present so <laughs> but uh i i feel like that was a that was a fun little serpentine run through just our our standard operating mindsets as per usual started with aliens ended with dragons and uh, oh, no, the dances in between pit stains <laughs> went through aliens went through another type of aliens mm-hmm. and then ended with game of thrones which, well you know some people yeah. were sweating at the end of game of thrones for an entirely different reason <gasps> than you're sweating but you know it, it all, all comes stunk. back 
Ooh, one way or the other. Circle. Man, beautiful. Yes, Mwah, yes. Some people kiss. will uh, say that uh, much like natives bourbon and orange bitters scent, <laughs> the last season of Game of Thrones was not meant for human consumption. But uh, <laughs> so on that note, I think that is going to uh, officially put the the dragons into the tomb as it were and uh, we'll, we'll leave you all be for this week but we appreciate you being here as always it is a delight i apologize that there was no lie here other than there was going to be uh, an actual point to the conversation i'm sure <laughs> well the lie is he actually Still loves the deodorant him. and he's wearing it right now yeah that's... and he actually eats it too <laughs> yeah that would be an interesting <laughs> proposition uh, that's how he got the food poisoning because yeah. he tried it it's so tacky <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> bitters. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that said, there is some joy on the horizon because from what I understand, Michael does have a concept that he's very excited to unveil. It'll be it'll be an interesting two-parter because it won't it'll technically be a two-parter, but not necessarily. And I will just be vague and not explain any more. Hey, it, it fits the uh, parameters for this week's show. <laughs> yeah. It's on the format. So, uh, look forward to that, friends, neighbors, Romans, countrymen, uh, lovers of the green grass sea, uh, and, uh, you know, breakers of chains amongst you, I suppose. First of her name. Too many titles. Couldn't be bothered. So, uh, I believe that's going to wrap it up. Of course, there is a link tree down below in the show notes. You can check out all of our irrelevant socials and all of our other material. There's plenty of content winging your way, including new episodes of this show every lovely Monday morning on your preferred podcast provider app. And, of course, more uh tubes of you fare that flies your way mostly on fridays occasionally it's just any day of the week it's random it's a drop of a hat so uh, just figure it out you'll get there you know how you can do that if you subscribe smash that like button as michael's so prone to say ring that bell too while you're at it you can sure. ring my bell mm. we'll be happy to have you and uh we did get some some comments from people who did not believe that i did not have a good time in las vegas uh shockingly enough so thank you all for the engagement as always it's a delight but uh i think that's going to officially bring this thing to a close like the covers of a book slamming shut and for another sweaty installment of this the Disinformed Podcast. I am Shane. And I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. And <laughs> zippity zoop, we're out of here. <laughs> you.